Warning, this podcast does not contain actual virgins. Discretion is advised. The Movie Virgins. Schaefer. And this is Movie Virgins, a weekly discussion of our first times with movies. Each week, one of us is re-watching the film and the other is seeing it for the first time. This week, I got to torture Leah a little bit with one of the greatest movies of all time. Certainly, in my opinion, the best war movie. Um, in my opinion, the best war movie. 1998. Saving Private Ryan. Or Shaving Ryan's Privates, as I like to refer to it. That is a different film. (laughs) I do not believe that that has made any top lists of anyone. Can I just point out that there was no shaving in this film? No, that is correct. However... You were disappointed with that, were you? I was a little bit concerned at the lack of facial hair being grown over these many days that they were in the French countryside. I, I mean, I don't know how many of them are able to grow facial hair, too. I, pretty much everyone in here is really a man, but I do think a little bit of that may have been purposeful uh, in thinking of them as boys, if you look at Giovanni Ribisi as an example. Sure, but Captain Miller can't grow some fucking facial hair? I don't know. He had a nice five o'clock shadow going the whole movie. It's just a few days, Leah. Just, just fucking deal with it. I just wanted to point that out. Also, soldiers did actually shave. Yeah, sure, maybe, but I feel like there might have been a moment where he was in the tent. Maybe it's a deleted scene. Maybe. (laughs) All of the shaving, and nobody (laughs) ate anything, nobody shaved, nobody slept. They definitely ate and slept. It was intense. First of all, they slept in that comfy church for like three hours. Right. Sure. Shit happens. Okay, so tell me about your first time. My first time. My first time with this movie, uh, I do remember quite well. I saw it uh, the night it opened. I was in high school, so 98, I was probably 16. Um, I saw it with my friend Julie. We went to the theater. We got there a little bit late. Not late for the movie. Like, we didn't come in late, but later than we should have to get decent seats. This was, you know, back in the day before they had, like, assigned seating. Right. And Um, heated seats and reclining seats. Exactly. In fact, it it was a theater seating theater, but it was one of the only theater sitting theaters in the area. So... You know, the, to the youths out there, there were, in fact, theaters where the seats were essentially flat all the way back, and it was impossible to see over tall people sitting in front of you. And it was Those theaters really still exist. They do, but nobody goes to them except to I did. seem cool. I did last Thanksgiving for Knives Out, but go on. Oh, that's weird. Yeah, I saw that's weird. I saw Knives Out, like, in the comfy no, this is <laughs> recliner. Theater, privately owned theater in Quincy, Illinois. It was uh, real, okay. real weird. So small town. Yeah, yeah. small town. Um, so... The theater seating, one of the issues that you have with it is if you're in the front row, everything is about 50 million times too big. This is true. So we got there late. We ended up in the very front row, and we open on D-Day. So you were feeling sick to your stomach, maybe? I was, okay, so I definitely felt dizzy 
but I didn't feel sick to my stomach. But we were maybe four or five minutes in when Julie just bolted from the theater. Oh, no. And I don't think she actually threw up, but she did stay in the bathroom for probably 10 minutes or so just telling herself, I can't do this. Um, It is, honestly, the, the camera work at water level the shakiness of it was very good for relaying like the feeling it was very good absolutely amazing um and i can tell you uh that particular experience is about as close as you could get to being embedded in it Uh, (laughs) the the sound of it too and the sound of it exactly so Um, loud so that was a memorable experience just for that alone sure um i i wanted to so i saw it opening day i wanted to see it opening day because I do have an affinity for war movies, as we've kind of discussed before. Yes, ma'am. Um, also, love pretty much everybody in this movie, and did love them then. And when I say pretty much everybody, I mean, I I knew Vin Diesel from Boiler Room. Mm. I you know knew Matt Damon obviously from Good from Goodwill Hunting. Hunting and from The Rainmaker, which was like that same year. And I fucking loved The Rainmaker. I knew, I mean, everybody knows Tom Hanks. Everybody knows Tom Sizemore. Tom Sizemore, by the way, Pentultimate movie this this, is, this, this is, and and black hawk down yeah both of them together he's kind of playing the same guy very similar guy yeah um but love him so much ed burns i went through an ed burns stage in the 90s as well i think barry pepper had an ed burns stage in the 90s i i think a lot of people did this true yeah um barry pepper <sighs> fucking love barry pepper mother you, fucking barry fucking pepper you text me and say you come for barry pepper you stay for barry pepper mm-hmm. leah you had not seen saving private ryan leah <laughs> You have not seen The Green Mile. Leah, I swear to God, if you are about to tell me something about Battlefield Earth, I'm <laughs> no, going to no, no. lose my Although, shit. Although, he looks... I haven't seen Battlefield Earth, and I won't. Good. But I was looking at some stills from the movie, and he looks damn good uh, in that film. Okay. The hair, baby. I'm not going to lie. I saw Battlefield Earth for very given me. He's given me some Gunner Nelson vibes with that fucking hair in yeah. Battlefield Earth. Uh, sure. Yeah. yeah, but yes, loved Barry Pepper even then. Um, Giovanni Ribisi, I've been obsessed with for a very long he's, time. It's hard to maintain an obsession with him because he doesn't work that much. He's crushing it so hard in this film. He's uh, probably one of my favorites. Um, and Adam, Adam Goldberg. Goldberg. So, oh, Adam Goldberg. And I last night when I was watching this, I was like, oh yeah, Adam Goldberg from shit. What's the movie with McConaughey? The Texas Kids. The Texas Kids? What are you talking about? Days and Confused. Goldberg's oh, yeah, yeah, and Days yeah. and Confused with, with Giovanni, Giovanni Ribisi's sister. twin sister Marissa, yeah. which I thank you IMDb for reminding me, but I didn't need you because I fucking knew that well, anyway. Well, no, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But uh, yes. So so point being, I was looking forward to the movie because I love war movies. Mm-hmm. I love everybody who's in it. I love Spielberg because I'm a human being. Um, I was in. Totally bought in. I will also say that it had a particular draw for me because Private Ryan was in the 101st and my grandfather was in the 101st. And my grandfather had died the year prior. Mm. Um, so there was a little bit of a personal pull, yeah. I think, too. Um, I, I, just, I mean, it's a hard movie. Y- you know we've talked about how I really like hard <sighs> movies. Yeah, uh, that agony. The, yeah. the agony milk. Yeah, the agony no, milk. Yeah, yeah. So I, Lots I of that on this one. craved it for this. And yes, there is so much of it. I will say the second time I saw it in the theater, because I did see it, I may have seen it three times. I'm not 100% sure. So is that the most you've ever seen a movie in the theaters? Oh, God, no. I, I've seen... <laughs> 
<laughs> Something that's not as good as Saving Private Ryan. I'm I would, sure. I don't know that I would. I mean, okay, so I saw, I saw Knocked Up twice in the same day. I remember that. Worth it. Uh, I'm pretty sure I saw Bring It On twice twice in the same day. Not worth it, mm. but I'm pretty sure I did. But why? I don't know. Um, but no, I I saw. I, I think Fellowship of mm. the Ring holds. The, I'm pretty sure I saw that five times in the theater, which it's a three hour movie. So I have spent 15, 15 hours, hours in the theater. In the theater. More if you count previews and whatnot. Exactly. On that movie alone. Um, yeah. But the second time that I saw Saving Private Ryan was with my dad. I don't need to do that again. Um, We've not watched it together since then. And we don't need was to. Was he really upset? He was pretty upset. Yeah. And I mean, he he enjoyed, in as much as you can enjoy something like this, of course, enjoyed the movie. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't want to see my dad cry. I don't like it at all. And he definitely did Isn't that some. interesting? Wow, that's um, our culture just digging in, digging in, get you, getting at you. Like, our dad no, I don't. To be strong. I don't want to see. No, it, it's not that. It's I don't want to see my mom cry either. It's a parent oh, thing. Okay. It's not necessarily. Um, you don't want them to be upset. Yeah, and the only other time, not that he hasn't. I mean, I'm sure he's cried before, but I was really traumatized. Uh, this sounds so cheesy, but I was really traumatized when my grandfather died. Because, not not because I was, like, there or anything, mm-hmm. um, but it was, he had a heart attack in the middle of the night, and some, my aunt, I'm assuming, had called us really early in the morning. I don't know, two, three, four, something mm-hmm. like that. I vaguely remember the phone ringing, um, but nobody picked up. So when my dad got up at five or six, you know, whenever he got up in the morning, he heard two messages on the machine, and the first one was... Um, dad's had a heart attack come mm-hmm. to the hospital and the second one was he's gone Fuck. so what I woke up to that morning was my dad bawling I can't take that mm. I can't take that and that was like I said about a year before so it's not like he was bawling in the theater here it was but, but sad right crying like any human being yeah. probably cried right. during right. this movie and then I think he felt of course more of a connection to it as well mm-hmm. because of his dad very uncomfortable um, <laughs> I think a good experience to have mm-hmm. in life but unpleasant yeah like fine oh it's a parent thing i think some of it maybe is it is you don't want to see people you love so upset but also just um but the person makes them human yeah it makes them real people and i was still young i was i was 14 yeah when he died 15 16 when this movie came out so years and you're yeah you know you're in a space where your parents are like they're they're it able to deal with shit Mm -hmm. (laughs) they they are the ones who deal with they can't break down because then what yeah then that's their whole world yeah exactly so um yeah so i'm glad that i saw it with him and i think it was a good thing for us to see together but i don't need to do that again but yes i did i i personally also felt more of a connection Mm -hmm. because of that um yeah and then like i said on top of it it's just it's a good film it's a really good movie and I mean, we'll get into it as we actually break it down and really talk about it, but I do feel like I hadn't seen it in probably 15 years, would be my guess. That's actually a surprise to me because it's so dark. It is, I know. I know. Like, why wouldn't you just be watching this all the time if that's what your thing is? Right, that's... You sick fuck. I know. I don't think it was... It wasn't as readily available. Like, it hasn't really been on Netflix or anything. It is on HBO now. And I'm not going to lie, I might... I... As soon as I finished it last night, I was like, all right, I need to break out Band of Brothers, which I do have on DVD. Mm. Um, So I may start watching all of that. Or... And or both. um, Ken Burns, World War II. 
probably Civil War is my favorite. I have to say Civil War is mm-hmm. absolutely my favorite, but World War II would be next up, Ken Burns-wise. So I may get deluged in war over the coming weeks. She's fallen down the rabbit hole. Which may not be wise, but it's a possibility. She's fallen into the trenches. Well, that's right. Um, yeah, so, but yes, this is legitimately... I think a, a, a fabulous movie. I think one of fuck ton of Oscars got nominated for a fuck ton more. Didn't and so Didn't, right. All so, right. Here's, here's <laughs> can the we deal. talk about that? I have said that I remember talking with my aunt that Oscar year, and she I don't remember why it came up and why we were talking about the Oscars, but she was adamant that Saving Private Ryan was going to win, and I remember looking at her and saying it won't win because the Academy doesn't want a war movie to win. Did and you feel sure that- shit? They didn't win. And that was, there are two moments, two moments in Oscar. I really don't give a shit about the Oscars now. Let's be clear. Okay, right, right. Um, But two moments in Oscar history where I was not just upset with the decision, but 100% realizing, oh, this is all bullshit. It's all bullshit. It's a game. One was when Russell Crowe, and this is kind of twofold, Mm -hmm. Russell Crowe does not win for. Gladiator? No. No. Uh, the one right before was it Inside Man? Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah, I can't remember for sure. If I that's think you're right. Yeah, and then was given the Oscar for, for Gladiator, Gladiator, which was a good movie, but I don't in any way think was an Oscar worthy performance. The first one was he should have won. Then you give him a makeup Oscar, but who, grinds my gears. But who who lost to his makeup Oscar? I don't remember, but I remember it was somebody good because I remember being angry mm-hmm. about it. Yeah. Um, and then happened, the second one was the second one was Saving Private Ryan. Not just losing, but you're talking about the best picture that they best, lost picture, best picture, right? Yeah. Not just losing, but losing to fucking Shakespeare, Shakespeare in Love, Love, which honestly, to me, is such an utterly forgettable movie. So I was gonna say I never saw Saving Private Ryan, obviously. Um, but I did see Shakespeare in Love in the theater, and I was quite in love with Joseph Fiennes. But that was all. I didn't really care for but Gwyneth Paltrow. Talk about the movie. Um, I mean. It wasn't bad. Like as Kit Marlowe, like it wasn't a bad movie. It was just. It's a, there's nothing special about it. No. I think it hit me in the right moment because it had Shakespeare and it um, was Joseph Fiennes, who was kind of like this. To me, he was really hot at the I time. I was discovering him, and he was great, and didn't give a shit about Paltrow and haven't ever really, and she's no. just kind of fallen off the cliff for me. But um, yeah, I guess. I didn't watch Saving Private Ryan because that's not the kind of movie that I want to watch in mm-hmm. large part because of the subject matter. I know it's depressing. I know it's going to be hard to watch. And I just wasn't ever really interested in watching films about that depict war mm-hmm. because I, I, I would, I just don't like, I just don't like the, I just don't like war. I, I do. And I, I completely understand that. I, I do think that like I said, though, I think that this is a, a wonderful movie. I think yeah, the story of it that yes. is that goes throughout. I think having this sort of hero's journey throughout, mm-hmm. it's a good story as well that mm-hmm. holds up. Um, the direction is fucking amazing. The film editing, both of those, of course, did win Oscars and mm-hmm. well deserved because yeah. you have not. I'm assuming you have not. I shouldn't say you have not, but really, I know when I first saw this, mm-hmm. I have not seen anything like that. The sound so. Um, when I first saw Uncut Gems, the sound of that movie was just chaotic. And watching this, it really, aside from the camera work in the opening scenes, mm-hmm. like also the sound, how loud it is, how mm-hmm. they're. And I really enjoyed watching. Do you know what else with the sound that what? I've never heard people touch on, but is 100%? And it's the direction as well. Mm-hmm. 
everybody talking over each other. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I love that so much. It. Yeah, and it's yeah. very real. And, and that never you never see that in movies mm-hmm. because it's always, you know, keep everything in the background mm-hmm. to a dull roar. We yep. want to be sure that everybody actually hears what's going on. And right now, we're actually showing that, like, I'm sitting here and I've seen this movie before mm-hmm. and I still don't know what's going on. And I fucking love it mm-hmm. because I shouldn't know what's going on because nobody really right, knows right. what's going on. But you on. have this one man who you're following who has to be the one to figure it out. And that, what I, first of all, I, I really enjoyed it. It was there are some things about it I I didn't appreciate, but we can talk about that. But I enjoyed it for what it was. It was engaging all the way through. Mm-hmm. I wasn't bored. Um, you know, after having seen 1917, and that is very artsy, and uh, they have their artsy moments, but this is more gritty, like Black Hawk Down in a lot of ways. Do you want to hear the? <laughs> this is so fucking lame. <laughs> what? Hundred percent lame. This is <laughs> what I wrote down. When you take notes, normally you take notes, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm sitting there watching this, and I instead write this tiny little it's diatribe. <laughs> oh, it's a diatribe. Oh, let's read it. Fucking read ridiculous. It. Okay. Are you ready? I'm ready. This is five minutes into the movie. So stupid. Ahem. Whereas 1917 is beautiful, almost ethereal and dreamlike in its mm-hmm. depiction and unbearable inhuman toll of war, this is exhausting in the first 30 minutes at least in its unflinchingly frenetic show of the utter chaos and unpredictability of it. One is introverted reflection. The other is a physical fight for survival. Yes. Those are my notes. <laughs> <laughs> but I still, I like, you got I like it for what it is. 1917. Yeah. No, I still it enjoyed is, it, is, yeah. But I, this reminded me a lot more of Black Hawk Down. Mm-hmm. Honestly, well, first of all, let me say, what I really appreciated about it from the very beginning was it felt real, mm-hmm. and you're actually seeing in real time this man having to strategize mm-hmm. from a position of we are fucked to then, and you know, we all know what happens at the beaches of Normandy. Like, you know that it's going to work out, but he has to go from we're fucked mm-hmm. to we have to gain a position. So we have to start small and build on that. And he, he fucking does it. And it's really great to watch. That's and, why he's the captain. And, but to see that in real time and the strategy and the thought and like even the, the stuff with the weapons where they're having to figure out what kind of weapons to use and what, what ammo do they have and what men do they have and men are just as much a resource as weapons. And so um, you're seeing him do all of this and he has to just be, he has to be on. Mm-hmm. He can't, he can't not be on and it's really interesting too when I think about like later on you find out his profession is a school teacher and when I think of school teachers have to be on all the time yeah Um, he even said it when uh Private Ryan was like oh man I I would hate being a teacher because of what me and my brothers put you guys mm -hmm. through and he's like I've had a thousand kids like you Mm -hmm. he's been putting up with these young little shits forever so you do wonder what makes him such a great strategist and how does he get his men to follow him and it's just it just was fascinating to watch and I I really appreciated that however I was thinking in the beginning first of all and I just played this clip for you it's Anakin speaking to Padme on Naboo where he's talking about their kiss is tormenting him that's what I was thinking when I started this like I'm watching all this shit unfold and I'm like she's tormenting me like it's oh that I was tormenting you (laughs) yes that's all I could think but um I had a moment about 20 minutes in where I had that same thought. I I almost texted to apologize. (laughs) It's it's fine. It was a very good film. I I loved it. But um, it... So Black Hawk Down, two things. One, I feel like there was sometimes this one was too much. 
I feel like they maybe went a bit, I feel like they could have been a little more subtle in some points. Do you want to hear my other magical note? Sure, let's hear it. Such self-indulgent bullshit. Mm -hmm. I don't know why I'm writing this shit. Okay. Our listeners love it. I doubt it. (laughs) Uh, Note number two. And these are literally the only two notes I have. For sure. I have like a few other questions for you, but these are literally the only two notes I have. So, admittedly, there is a saccharine quality to Spielberg's films. And at times, heavy-handed tug at the heartstrings. Even in the most achingly real and traumatic and grotesque movies, he imbues a simple, utterly personal, transformative story at their core. Sometimes this can be hard to take in the midst of things, but damn if it doesn't make it stick. And that was what I was thinking throughout, is like, yeah, there are moments in there where it is a bit much. You know, seeing seeing, uh, Mrs. Ryan getting the news no and like, that didn't, i didn't think that was too much i think and them talking about um the sullivan act before then and talking about the oh, letter the, and the bixby letter yeah all of that it, you need it to an extent but it's a bit much and then mm-hmm. the speech that that uh the captain gives when he's talking about you know who he is and where he's from and all mm-hmm. of this um there are moments where it's it's a bit much it's a bit heavy-handed or maybe there's a little bit too much of I, I hesitate to call it melodrama but a sort of kind of saccharine quality and you see that in so um schindler's list is one of my all-time favorite movies also shocking i mean <laughs> if there's gonna be one that has agony milk in it mm-hmm. that one's filled with it but it has the same kind of thing where you're you're in deep to this in this awful world but then sometimes you almost get taken out of it by the overly contemplative stares and dialogue like sometimes it's a little bit too much but what I realized too at the end of it is that's one of the things that makes it memorable the the story memorable Mm -hmm. that's one of the things that even when you're in it you might be thinking I don't know about this I damn well remember this movie like Mm -hmm. thin red line might have been good might not have been good I saw it I saw it a couple times doesn't stick out to me at all it is completely forgettable Mm -hmm. saving private ryan I know and I know it because of the story and the characters and and a a, a little bit of that kind of a little Mm heavy-handed um treatment of who these people are I think it's pretty rare for me to see a three-hour movie and be engaged the entire time so I I think that speaks volumes and for me it wasn't even that stuff like to see her on the front porch the Mrs. Ryan getting that news that, I felt like, was an appropriate moment. I did think the Bixby letter scene was like, so we have a problem and we disagree, but I'm just going to read this letter and right. boom. Bit much. Silly. Um, I was crying from the very beginning because you see this guy walking into this field of graves with his family behind mm-hmm. him and you know who he is and you know, like, you just know. Um, did you not know that? The first time I saw it, I didn't know right away. No. No. I, I, I you just know and cuz why why else would be would the movie is called Saving Private Ryan why else would be fucking would be watching it? Yeah, no no, I assumed that Private Ryan probably yeah. survived, yeah. but I mean I didn't. So I didn't really So think from about the beginning it. I'm tearing up because we're thinking about how he feels about what he experienced and he's, you know. Mm-hmm. It's emotional, but I think that opening bit while it was very good and very well done and very well shot and all of it and I was reading about how they I think it was the director of photography, how he You're shot it. You're talking about D-Day. Yes. Yeah, okay. I think there were some moments, like, I don't need to see a guy with his gut spilling out more than once. It starts to feel like you get used to seeing it. And there are some very tragic deaths that happen to our characters later on. Giovanni Rabisi's... The best. That's the best one. 
and the most powerful one, I think, because we know him, and he's he's the guy who's been saving everybody. And now here are all his friend, all of his buddies who have been. It's rely- because he knows too. That's yes. the really oh, hard yes, part. Yes. When he says, "Oh God, my liver." Yeah, but they're all they're all there with him. Oh, like yeah. they're all doing their best to save him. Like watching, I think it was maybe Ed Burns or Adam Goldberg just kept wiping blood away, like mm-hmm. just with just just sloppily, like a kid would do, just like trying to help but not really helping. Um, I think that is a really powerful moment and it didn't even have to be that gruesome to be that powerful so when you see a guy with his guts all out and he's or somebody walking like picking up their arm like i get it d-day was terrible and i get it that war is terrible i feel like there was subtlety in black hawk down that there wasn't in this movie i think i think the overwhelming again kind of freneticism of of that opening sequence is really important um, to show you who Captain Miller is too, though. Yeah, sure. And, and all yes. of these, all of these men yes. to show you what they survived, and then to see them, you know, later that day, the next day, whenever it is, mm-hmm. and they're just kind of hanging out and shooting the shit mm-hmm. to kind of get that feel for a soldier's life, to also understand the trauma involved, to also see, to see Miller on the beach pushing through being you know the the leader that he is Mm -hmm. but also getting that first introduction to the handshake also seeing him grab a hold of somebody and pull him only to then realize that this person's already dead and leave it behind he wasn't seeing giovanni ribisi along with the other medics who were just fucking cursing everybody Mm -hmm. who keeps shooting at them because they're fucking medics and they just are trying to help the first moment you see giovanni ribisi where he's like i've stopped the bleeding and the guy takes one to the head yeah i mean even the guy fuck this was the one moment i i didn't shout a ton but the guy who gets dinged in the head survives and takes pulls his, his helmet, helmet off. Like, put your fucking helmet back on. Yeah, and then he's like, boom, dead. Yeah, I know. Um, no, but I guess what I'm saying was, I didn't need to see that much gore, and it would have been just as powerful. And I, it, it I, kind of it crossed, may have oh, been, it crossed a line for me. It may have been just as powerful, but I don't think it would have been just as alarming. That, yeah, sure. Yeah, and I but like, I, think we get, I like the realism. I of think it. we get desensitized especially nowadays to that stuff so the other thing I think that's what still maybe I'm wrong yeah and this movie was 20 years ago now but I think that was part of the brilliance of it is that it took it to another level where even those of us who had been desensitized Mm -hmm. by violence in movies Mm -hmm. were watching this and thinking this is too much yeah and I greatly appreciate that because it was too much Mm -hmm. and you should think of war as too much fuck it i hate it and i don't and that's another reason why i just don't watch this stuff because i it's not that i don't appreciate i mean my net we were just talking about my nephew today Mm -hmm. being marine like i hate to think about that yeah um i thought about it too like you know you 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 watching this particular so my grandfather like i said he was in the 101st he was slated to go to normandy he injured himself days or a week or so before and that's the only reason that he wasn't on those beaches Mm -hmm. And fucking A, had he been there, I might not be here right now. Yeah. Totally possible that I wouldn't be here. So I, I think there's, again, and a lot of us have those kinds of connections. Mm-hmm. You know, our grandfathers or great-grandfathers or just somebody you know mm-hmm. has been to war of any kind, but mm-hmm. in particular um, that war. And it, that's the only way that you can get any kind of glimpse into what they went through. And even though it's horrible mm-hmm. and you probably shouldn't want to know, there's definitely a part of me that does want to know. And for my grandfather, I do think, I think there's sort of, 
changing times, right? Um, there's an inherent sort of stoicism um, with men of that era, and they didn't talk about it. You know, you wouldn't talk about shell shock. I mean, the whole throughout the whole movie, Miller's hand is shaking mm-hmm. uncontrollably. Nobody's talking to him about mm-hmm. really the stress of it. The, no, the just, most that you ask, get is are you okay? The most that you get is when uh, Time Sizemore's okay? character says, "Maybe you need to find a new line of work." Yeah, <laughs> which I mean, is a I joke. Mean, it's like and Sizemore. I mean, he does that, and I think at another point, they somebody asks him if he's okay. That he, happens a couple of times, right? But there's no. We're not here we're to not, talk about feelings, right, right? And when we go home, we're sure as shit not going to talk about feelings. Then, I mean, mm-hmm. you get that from. Uh, pr- no longer private Ryan but from James Ryan at the end of the movie right. his wife comes over and she sees the name on the cross and she says did you know him he hasn't told her yeah he hasn't told her about any of that and I my grandfather never talked about it he mm-hmm. never talked I mean little bitty things here and there but really he never talked about yeah. any of it and I think that's something that happened with most of us so you see something like this or you read you know a Stephen Ambrose book or you watch Band of Brothers or mm-hmm. whatever it may be um, that may be the only way that you can connect with that sort of thing. Whereas something like Black Hawk Down, being in a more modern era, you do have soldiers who are very much alive, mm-hmm. who have lived through that or something very similar, who are writing books about it, who mm-hmm. are giving interviews about it, who are um, going to therapy and talking about their experiences, and you're kind of getting it in a different perspective. And I feel like this sort of fictionalized movie is one of the only ways that you would get that for that particular perhaps era. yeah because that generation a lot of them are gone and I, it's um when i was watching them they're in like that first shot of them in those um boats coming mm-hmm. uh, up on the beach and uh they're like getting sick and i was like yeah if it was rough out there I'd <laughs> you would have for too. sure yeah um and and you know seeing size more put in a big dip because fucking a He's tough as nails. Because he's that. And he's more. just chilling with a dip. I love him so much. Um, you know, I, I think nicotine. I mean, I did have a friend tell me once when I was hungover, smoke a cigarette, it'll settle your stomach. It doesn't work, by the way. Um, I will he, never forget Angie <laughs> with the stomach up and smoking a cigarette, and you're just like, what and then you? just she like chugged twenty ounces of water, smokes a cigarette, pukes all the water back up into a trash can at the gas station. Ugh. Ugh. But yeah, so watching them come up on the beach and then seeing them in the water and seeing them be weighted down and seeing them getting hit with bullets and then I thought of Quinn's speech in Jaws when he talks about I think it's like the SS Indianapolis or the USS Indianapolis where he's in the they're getting eaten by sharks Mm. and that kind of like grizzled veteran of war Mm -hmm. sitting there like kind of retelling like telling this this tale this seems unbelievable these men are in the water and they're just being picked off by sharks this it felt the same it's like how would someone tell the story how would someone be able to connect with that and actually tell it because in in jaws quinn gets this distant look in his eye you know he's just it's an incredible incredible monologue and i just how do you i you know i've experienced hard things everybody has experienced hard things and they're hard to talk about and it isn't even close to that fucking hard yeah and i wonder and i guess I, i obviously don't really know but i do wonder how many people who stormed the beaches that day who really have no clue what happened around them mm-hmm. which isn't to say that they don't know that it was bad obviously right, if you right. were there you know it's bad um but I, I think in a time of survival is key and i just need to keep moving and keep moving and keep moving um i do wonder how many men really didn't even see and i think that was something that was kind of shown to us in again that first 20 or 30 minutes however long it was um as 
yeah, there's there's a guy who's disemboweled calling for his mother laying on mm-hmm. the beach and nobody's going to help him. Mm-hmm. And is it because nobody cares? No, it's because... I don't even see him or hear him. Mm -hmm. I just need to keep moving and keep moving and keep moving. And like I said, Miller reaches down and he grabs somebody who's down to start to pull him away because uh, somebody's down. I'm going to do my best to, you know, try to save him. But, oh, yeah, he's already gone. Let it go. Um, They're running around, you know, trying to save who they can. But you you just can't. You just can't. And you just got to keep moving and going. And And it it, it was unreal to me that that it went from that. Because then, like, a day or two later, you see that we have control of the beach. And you see that Mm -hmm. they're... It, it was wild. It's it was bizarre, wild to go yeah. from that to that. But, um, yeah, I think the other thing about it that I couldn't get out of my head, and at the end of it I wrote it down, but it feels there's an – and I, I can't figure out – I still can't put my finger on why, but there's this anachronistic feel to it. I kept forgetting this was World War II, and I don't understand why. And I think part of it might be that I know all of these actors as, like, and I've seen them in modern roles, and I couldn't – take them out of that and like see them as it, it didn't feel like 1944 to me for some reason I don't know if it was weird. the way that they were talking I, I don't know but I, I thought about it the whole way through and I, even at the end I was like yeah and I, I don't know why I don't know if it was like this I mean at some point they're listening to French singer from the 40s like I should have that should have cl- clicked oh. with me but it just didn't feel I love her so much Mavie on Rose oh my yeah. god it just didn't fe- it, for whatever reason it didn't it kept having to go like this is World War II this is World War that's II that's so this weird is, to me because I feel like it it 100% is to me and, and granted I mean I've obviously seen this and have seen many other mm-hmm. Uh, movies of the same era but I feel like the way that they were the way that they spoke to one another the exchanges that they mm-hmm. had i bought it I, I obviously wasn't alive in 1944 so I, I guess i don't know for sure but i, I, like I bought the it the use of foobar yes foobar is <laughs> great i love that they try to convince him it's a german it's word a german word I can't and i don't remember when i first learned what foobar meant i feel like i've known it forever but that's I exactly I I, it. Yeah, yeah and I, I can't i feel like it was more to do with vietnam which makes me think it might have been some sort of vietnam related movie mm-hmm. mm. But yeah, I was trying to think of that too. Like how how did I learn and this? Maybe the maybe the the feeling of it, the anachronistic feeling for me. Maybe it's because we don't see anything but the war. That's true. You don't. Yeah, you don't you get to really see what you normally think else. of as that era. So right. I mean, I guess you do see the women writing letters, and they all have their 1940s hair pinned up, and their yeah for like dresses. five seconds. Though. And I then mean, you it's... see his mom, and you see the car. But yeah, it's I don't know. I, I don't know how to explain that. But um, but altogether. Like, I actually was thinking I might want to watch this again and I yeah. think it was because I was so engaged with it and it really I was never it, it just that it kept me it kept going it kept going it kept going and um yeah it was good it was really good um and and why haven't I seen it through all the reasons I said and I honestly, understand that, yeah. I wouldn't have watched it if you hadn't yeah suggested it for the show so I guess thank you <laughs> for you're welcome me. Um, I can I ask because obviously this is an ensemble piece. Um, we already covered how I love many of these mm-hmm. actors. I know that you do too. So I'm I'm curious what your thoughts are on casting because I feel like I feel like that is a super important. Obviously, it's super important mm-hmm. to every movie, sure. But it worked in so many different ways, in my opinion, mm-hmm. for all these different characters. And I'm kind of curious what your thoughts were on the characters and the the actors who played them. How it fit together, I guess. I guess it was. I didn't know who was in the movie aside from Tom Hanks and Matt De- and Matt Damon. Mm-hmm. 
uh, Nathan Fillion as the first Private Ryan was perfect. I completely forgot that was him. All I remember about... All I remember about the first Private Ryan is that I remembered that they found somebody that, who they thought was Ryan, and they told him his brothers had died, and then he cried like a baby, and then he said something about them being so young they're, and that they were supposed to be school. at home, right, and that was when they realized their mistake. I remember that happening. Did not remember at all that it was, it was Nathan Fillion. So he was great, um, and I guess I, I, I appreciated the little bit. Even on the beach, when there's a guy on the comm system, and... Uh, Captain Miller's yelling orders, barking orders at him, and then he barks orders and he looks over and that guy's dead. Mm-hmm. So then he picks up the thing and he's like yelling into it and he's like tosses that to the side. There's comedy. There's bits of comedy and I think it's Tom, Tom Hanks is and I, I do want to talk about Tom Hanks. Yeah. Um, Let's just sure. do it because okay. I'm, I'm right. Tom Hanks to me I had I loved him when he like um, fuck uh, Splash and Joe you know, versus the volcano. Big. I've never seen Joe versus the volcano. Oh my god, it's um, so good. But really, my favorite is um, the Money Pit. Yes, I am obsessed. And 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 he, as a younger guy in those roles, did you I, watch Bosom Buddies too? Uh, I I don't. I didn't watch it, but I, I knew like, of it. Yeah, my parents liked it. But I also um, remember him as the uncle on uh, Family Ties. Yes. Yeah. 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 The the guy who's always drinking beers. Um. But yeah. <laughs> well, he was an alcoholic. Yeah, yes. Not a problem. Um, I think you know my mom really liked him, and you know fucking. Then Forrest Gump, I definitely had, like, I just loved him in general. I had a sense, I feel good with him, and I think he's a really talented actor. Even, I watched Sleepless in Seattle the other day. I, mm. I hate that movie. Yeah, he's great I at can't. it. I can't. I think I had it on in the background once and couldn't. So, then there was this moment where I started to feel like he was a little bit of, like, a too Hollywood? Like, too self-righteous, too... I don't know why, and I kind of... Do you remember when that was? It would have been after, like, long after Forrest Gump. Probably in recent, like, in probably the last, I don't know, five to seven years. But okay, so 2000s, like, after, after yeah. this was... Yeah, and now all he kind of does is these, I'm going to play a guy who was a real guy, you know, he's doing a lot of those, like... I get the feeling he's choosing things that he just... Maybe it's stuff I, he really I feel like he, do. Yeah, I feel like he's choosing roles... That he wants to dig deep into mm-hmm. these people, which yeah. makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. Like you get to it, he's he's got all the money he needs, he's mm-hmm. got all the fame he needs, he's got all the you know power he needs, mm-hmm. whatever it is that you might be as a young actor kind of working to build up. He's not nobody's going to forget about him no. in Hollywood. He, he can do what he wants. Mark. So you might as well dig in deep to the characters that you actually want to dig into, Maybe. like Mr. Rogers, like Mr. Rogers, <laughs> like uh, uh, what what's his name, Sully. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, but I feel like that's his. He's like, this is my lane now. I'm just gonna do this, and I don't know if he's doing it, like you said, because this is what he wants to do, and he feels like he can dig in if they're real people. He can really dig in, or if he just feels like this is where I can have, be successful. This is where people want me. They want me in this space. I mean, I haven't talked to him about it, but the right. impression that I've gotten has always been like. I'm going to do what I want to do. But he's sort of a national treasure. And, sure. <laughs> I, you know, I've seen Forrest Gump, you know, in probably the last year or two. And I just, but this to me, he is incredible. Yeah. Because he is, he's funny, he's sad, he's angry, he's everything. And I don't know, I can't think of another person who would have been able to do that. The other thing that is so fucking good you you watch a traditional I say traditional war movie thinking you know over the years so uh you, you get like um um uh fucking John Cowboy 
John Cowboy. Yes, John a Cowboy. War movie with John, John in the sixties. John. John Wayne. John Wayne. I literally wanted to say John Wilkes Booth. Let's just call that's him John all that's Cow- coming up is John Wilkes Booth. John and in fairness, on. John Wilkes Booth was an actor as well. But <laughs> John Wayne. John Wayne. Actor's name John. Go. That's right. John Wilkes Booth. <laughs> it's correct. Um, yeah. So John Wayne loved his war movies. He wanted to get in there, and he wanted to be like you know the, mm-hmm. the strong hero. He had to fight against his real name, which was Marion. Right. Right. Yes. <laughs> But I think you have that concept, even coming into the 90s, maybe not as much so, but I think there's still that sort of, like, Hollywood ideal of, you know, being a real man's man, especially, especially the guy who's leading these men. Like, mm-hmm. he should be a man's man. Mm-hmm. And what we have instead is the kind of goofy guy next door. Your fucking English teacher. That's who you get. You get your English teacher. You get the guy who... That's who we get. That's who you get. This makes me wonder if I would be a great military strategist. You would not. On. You would not. Shut like up. You, you would have. No. no, I'm. <laughs> what's his name? The guy with all the fucking. The guy crying on the stairs. That's me. Yeah, you're the translator. <laughs> just cry. <laughs> Dropping my typewriter on the ground. That broke my heart when he dropped the typewriter. But go on. Uh, I guess that's a question for later. Who are you? And who do you <laughs> no, most identify with? No, it is a question I did want to ask. But okay. anyway, so you're talking so, about the man's man. Right. I, I think that was a brilliant move. It was obviously premeditated. I mean, in the script, yes. you know, you find out that he is, in fact, an English teacher. He's a regular guy from middle America and this and that. But I think that's that's the, the one of the amazing things about this movie is here's a man who is your brother, your uncle, your dad. You know, he's just a regular guy. and My brother, uncle, dad. Your brother, uncle, dad, the regular guy. <laughs> he was plucked out of that normal world and put into this totally uh, crazy situation where, yeah, he's obviously really smart and he's able to... He's had a lot of success. He, yeah, he's, the, he's able to strategize. And he obviously... Exactly. And he's obviously good at, at teaching and leading young and men. And also not breaking. And am not breaking. Um, but you can also see that it's getting to him. Oh, yeah. Obviously. His hand is shaking. He has a, an emotional breakdown. I think you, even with, I mean, you can call that an emotional breakdown, I guess, to an extent. I think one of the, one of my favorite parts is when he and Ryan are talking about how you have to, you have to put a memory in context yes. and you have to think about, he's like, I remember being on the hammock. I, you know, think about my wife cutting roses. And then Ryan goes into his great story about, I love the story anyway, about uh, the girl who's so ugly. She fell out of the ugly tree and hit every branch on the way down. I was really missing all of the Boston accent because when the, the movie first started and they're naming all the other Ryan brothers I'm just envisioning Matt Damon from Goodwill Hunting being like even Danny even Sean like in this little Boston <laughs> accent like naming all his brothers but anyway sorry so yes. so they're having this moment about putting Matt they're having this context. moment and then he says to him you know why don't you tell me about your your wife and those roses and, and he like, says nope, no that's for me that's for me I think that's one of the things that has led to his success is his ability to compartmentalize um but again, it's all very human. Mm-hmm. And I I really praise the movie, the story for creating human characters. Mm-hmm. And I think you 100% get it, not just with the way the character of Miller is written, but the portrayal and the just plain casting of, mm-hmm. of Tom Hanks of, you know, again, that the goofy guy next door who we all know as the guy from Bosom Buddies and mm-hmm. we know as Forrest Gump and we know as... But he's incredible as Forrest Gump. It, sure, yeah. He, you know what else he's great in, Leah? What? Same thing Barry Pepper's great in, and Sam Rockwell's great in. The fucking Green Mile. <laughs> we'll watch it. We it's coming up. It. It's yeah, coming up. But so, so, so yeah, I think 
But I think he's not the only one either. I think you get, like we said, Tom Sizemore. Yes, Sizemore doing Sizemore. Un- unbelievable. Because he still has, he's he's the tough guy who, like, he gets shot and his reaction isn't to feel he's pain. Like, his reaction is, motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, fucking love that. Um <laughs> But he also has heart. He does have a heart. He yes. he's you know he wants what's best for all of these men. He he's friends he's with Miller. He's collecting he's, dirt from all of the places, soil from to, all of the places. I assume he's been. take home to his wife. Honestly, that's, that's my. I mean, assumption. or just to keep. He's he's sure. that is a romantic thing to do. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, Barry Pepper, he's yes, so he's good. hot, but he's so good. He's so good. The the idea that. I was put here by God, you know, mm-hmm. like God gave me this gift and I'm using it and I am, I am the righteous one. And, um, but it's not overdone. No, I think that could perfect. so it easily. perfect sense. He's not creepy. It's not gross. No. And that could so no. easily be just like too much and weird. And you no. almost might think of him as a kind of a, I root for, I root a for lunatic. Him. I root for him. And I think one of the ways that it's, that it really, really works too is his death. Mm-hmm. The, the fact that he's praying and again he's talking to god and he Mm -hmm. truly feels like god's on his side but the moment that he sees that he's gonna die he doesn't he doesn't think at least you don't get that from from his expression save his friend right you don't i didn't at all get the idea that he was disappointed in god Mm -hmm. for turning on him or that he thought that he was wrong all along or anything like that all that it was it's like you could see inside his brain you could see that he was thinking yes i am an instrument of god god is on my side well, I guess God's on that guy's side now. Yep. And then, yeah, just trying to, to save the guy next to him. Um, but I think that alone, just the look on his face is just mm-hmm. brilliant. I think Giovanni Ribisi. Honestly, this is probably, and I wanted to say too, I think this is maybe the best thing I've ever seen Hanks do. To, yeah. For me, this is it. I, and I haven't seen The Green Mouse, so maybe I'll change my mind. Well, and, and I... I would have said Forrest Gump yesterday before I watched this film. No, I would have always said top two would be yeah, Saving Private Ryan. But and I, Gump. this for me wins. Um, yeah. Um, and and you know, in terms of Giovanni Ribisi, this may also be the best thing I've ever seen him do because yeah. he had such. I just said Forrest Gump. I'm sorry. The Green Mile. The Green Mile yeah, is definitely okay, better. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but like, but I yeah, feel, Giovanni like, Ribisi. Giovanni, for sure. and I'm, I'm racking my brain for other stuff I've seen him in, but that guy, he's such. He to me is like a Nick Cage. Or uh, who the fuck did we talk about? Um, oh fuck! Mm-hmm. Somebody else we're talking about. Uh, Jeff Goldblum. He's so interesting. There's a way his the sound of his voice, his mannerisms, yeah. his face. He is a very interesting person to watch. Yeah. And I feel like he brings that to every role. He had such heart in this one. Yeah. And I there are the little the little speech that he gave about his mom coming home mm-hmm. and, and he, stayed he usually stayed asleep and then there was the time that he pretended to be asleep and he couldn't quite figure out why and what I got out of that I, I assume is what they were trying to to serve me as well but definitely what I got out of it is that's a child thing to do mm-hmm. um, and there's nothing wrong with it and he's sitting there trying to rack his brain trying to figure out why he why would do, do that. that and the reason is just because you're a kid and that's just the way the kids function yep. but you can see him as he's transcribing a letter from a friend of his to his parents so that they don't have to see the blood, the blood on the letter, as yeah. he's doing this horrible thing after losing this person, and he's thinking about his mom, as well you probably would, and he thinks about that moment, or several moments as it may have been, where he's lost time with his parents, and that is, that's the, the coming-of-age moment mm-hmm. for him, and I'm sure for, and it kind of, I think, represented 
all of these young boys Mm -hmm. at war who become men and you kind of have that idealistic well you become a man when you go off to basic training and you learn to kill or you become a man when you do kill for the first time or you become a man when you survive your first battle but no it's sometimes it's little things like that where I remember doing this thing and I don't know why I did it it was such a childish thing to do and look at all the time that I missed out on and now I'm here Mm -hmm. and now what yep and then to pair that with his the, the fact he that he dies, yeah. but the way he dies, too. So I think you have that that s- slice of it. And Giovanni Ribisi looks really young, too. Yeah. So you kind of feel like he's a kid. Mm-hmm. And he says that whole thing where he's talking about really being a kid. But he's also the medic. Yeah. He's also the guy in charge who knows his shit. And you kind of get a feel for that, especially when he's, you know, when they do find some of the, the other uh, guys of the 101st and then you know, he was investigating the one guy's leg to mm, see if it needs to be amputated or not. And then they're going through all the dog tags and he's the one who comes up and tells them to knock it the fuck off. Yeah. Which is, let's be honest, an adult move to make. Yeah. So you still see that he is obviously uh, an adult. But yeah, when his death scene, I think, is uh, the most touching. Oh, it's powerful as fuck. It's super. And again, it's, in my opinion, it, mostly because he really knows he knows exactly what's going to, he knows what, as soon as they tell him, like he's, imagine having the wherewithal to even say the words, they shot me in the spine. Mm-hmm. Like to even think yeah. about that and realize that and to try to figure it out and to say like, well, where, where am I bleeding mm-hmm. from the worst? You know, help me out guys. Um, and then the moment, just that moment when he says, oh God, my liver. And it just, yeah. he crumbles and he, but all he does he is for ask morphine. for morphine because he knows. And yep. it's so awful so and that's so the well moment done. before he starts to break down right yeah. but he, he has a like a, a moment of like he's still with it give me the morphine and then he lets himself go and he lets himself like as i think he's probably in shock trying to figure it out using his brain the the sensical part of his brain mm-hmm. and then he gets the morphine and he, he he can open up. Yeah, there's a difference between realizing that this patient is going to die and realizing that it's the you. patient who's going to die is you. Yeah. So there's the moment of, oh, God, my liver, mm-hmm. this body is going to die. Yep. And then there's the moment of, oh, God, I want to go home. Yeah. I want my mom. I don't want to talk about that. I will say I think over the years, so like if you would have asked me, you know, before I rewatched it, what the things that I most remember about Saving Private Ryan are. The death scene that stood out the most to me was always... Goldberg? Um, Goldberg. The knife? Yeah. And it's just because it's so slow and painful and aching. And the whole, you know, he's there with this man over the top of him who's saying words that he doesn't understand. and mm-hmm. He doesn't know what is even being said. Mm-hmm. And it's terrifying and it's sad, but it's also just like a nail-biting horrible nightmarish mm-hmm. moment like that uh as as touching and um emotionally evocative mm-hmm. as Giovanni Ribisi's death scene is his is the one that has always kind of stood out the most it was like watching a, like a death in a horror movie yeah because you see the knife going in and he's saying words he doesn't understand and already you and have his, this his comrade with, is right outside yes. not doing anything right and already who have this history with him like where he is he is pointing out to the german soldiers that he is a jewish man and yeah. then he is um you know diesel's character hands him this the oh it's a youth knife yeah. and he has this really emotional moment which 
Goldberg, I think, always is really good at that, delivering that emotionality. I think when he's in a role, I just always think of him in Days to Confuse where he's like, I just want to dance, you know? But then, <laughs> but then he gets it. in the fight with the asshole guy at the beer, at the um, beer bus and, like, he starts crying after that. Like, he's very good at bringing that emotion in a real way. And um, He's a fiery one, yeah. He is. And so to see, to see that scene where he... I didn't think he was going to die. I, it broke my heart. That yeah. really did because... It, and there's a moment, like, they're fighting in this really up-close, personal, mm-hmm. frantic way. Yeah. And for that to go, you, you know, through that kind of speedy tension mm-hmm. into just that slow, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, what yeah, are you saying? What happen? are you doing? What's happening? Yep. Yeah. Um, I also... And the way, I didn't know what the German was that was being said, because I don't speak German, but the way it was being said made you feel that guy, he was basically saying, like, just let it happen, like, let go, and then when you see that German man, or that soldier, I don't even know if he was German, you see him coming down the stairs Mm -hmm. and seeing, uh, is it Upham, Upham, whatever his name is, you know, sitting there, just Mm -hmm. not even holding his gun up, and he knows this guy isn't a threat, Mm -hmm. and he just walks right by him, so... He's not a killing machine. He's he's a human being too, and he just did he just did what he had to do to survive in right. that moment. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he didn't want to kill. He didn't want to kill him. Yeah. Um, I thought that was really. Your, I think there was a lot. Yeah, it was really layered and very good. Um, but I like every time somebody showed up, I was like Ted Danson. I yeah, and I totally forgot Ted Danson was in it. Do you want to do your Paul Giamatti imperson- impersonation? So, <laughs> I said it out loud. It's not an impersonation. <laughs> it is an impersonation. I, but it? I said it out loud because I, I forgot I forgot that Paul Giamatti <laughs> was in this too. And I saw him and then as soon as I, it took like a couple of seconds to recognize him. And as soon as I recognized him, I said aloud in the dark room with just the dog and cats, <laughs> Paul Giamatti! <laughs> but I didn't recognize him because he's all dirty and stuff. But I like, heard his voice. I'm like, holy shit, it's Paul Giamatti. That same, that, just going back to death scenes, um, because it was the, the scene that Paul Giamatti was into, uh, uh, Carpazzo's death scene. Vin Diesel. Yeah, Vin Diesel. What yeah. I love about that is the the realism of it, too. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you have everybody, like, what's great about Giovanni Ribisi's is everybody's gathered around and they're desperately trying to save him and they don't want to lose him and we just had this conversation about how we shouldn't even be doing this thing and I have a bad feeling about mm-hmm. this and now look what's happening and you know it's very it's tugs at the heartstrings mm-hmm. in that way um, and then you have the, the Adam Goldberg one where it's like I'm I'm up here my heart rate's already ratcheted just from watching all mm-hmm. of this and it's kind of like you said like a horror movie and oh god and what you have with Carpazzo is uh, it's it's just real it's just mm-hmm. He got shot out there. Nobody can go out there because there's yep. a sniper. We can't really help him. He's just sitting out there dying, and there's nothing we can do, and yep. it's just quiet. And even after, you know, Miller just says, that's why we don't take kids. Like, there's not mm-hmm. even, there's not a moment of real grief. And I think that's very real, of course, because we're on a mission. Yeah. We, we got to we gotta fucking move. We got to move on. Yeah. We got to move on. Yeah. The, um, the little girl, the little French girl. Oh, I she, love the way she slaps him. She's, she plays young uh, Cinderella in Ever After. I recognized her immediately. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. She's um plays the young version of Drew Barrymore's character in Ever After. Um oh, there's a movie that's pretty Danielle forgettable Deba- too. Danielle de Bobberack. that's not her real name though. That was or her whatever. She yeah. just uses that name. I can't remember what the fuck her actual name is. Um but I just keep seeing what's his face saying Danielle. Ah, the hot guy from that movie who really isn't that hot anymore. I can't remember his name. Um 
So yeah, Ted Danson, Giamatti, um, you know, Brian Cranston, Brian Cranston, you know, a very young looking Brian Cranston. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. There were it was an incredible cast. Yeah, for uh, sure. and I can't think of. I think they did a heck of a job picking those guys, and and I I really don't think anybody else could have done what Hanks did. Mm-mm. Um, but you know, maybe I'm wrong. I don't know, but Ed Burns. Mm-hmm. Yes, let's talk I never about Ed really Burns. gave a crap about Ed Burns, and I've tried to watch some of his movies and just couldn't get into them. I just didn't care. Which one? Because he has a lot of really shitty um, movies. She's the one. Don't care. That's the fair. Brothers McMullen. Don't care. You don't like the Brothers McMullen? Haven't tried to watch it. Couldn't watch it. Oh, um, that's so. I think the only thing I know of Ed Burns, he's been in something else that we've watched. I think, but I know of him from Twenty Seven Dresses. I mean, I do love 27 Dresses. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. So, he is so good in this film. Yes. He is so good. And, I, you know, I just, I'm like watching him and he's slowly like growing on me, growing on me. And I'm like, damn, Ed Burns. Maybe he just needs to be I good stuff and better directed. I don't know. Well, uh, <laughs> sure. I, I mean, I, I love, I, I love the Brothers McMullen. It's been years since I've seen it, but... Uh, that was when I kind of first fell in love mm-hmm. with them. Um, Ash Wednesday was really good. But I also watched like 15 minutes just for him. And that movie was a shit show. So, and she's the one, like, one of the fuck I ever. Think maybe he's just made some bad choices. I think so, yeah. I And here's the thing. Here's how you know. Here's how you know if you're an actor who makes bad choices. Oh, At some point here's in the. Here's the secret, everybody. Here's every, the secret. Uh, like, I'm going to interrupt you. Everybody listen up. This, what Lindsay's about to say is really important. Go ahead, This Lindsay. is very important. You know that you were that you are a good actor who makes shitty choices if Lindsay Schaefer was obsessed with you in the 90s. What? It's 100% <laughs> true. 100%. Ed Burns, Ewan McGregor, Jude Law. Ewan McGregor doesn't make bad choices. Okay, you have not seen his full catalog. No, I haven't. Yeah, exactly. Wait, and who did you say after Ewan McGregor? Jude Law. Um, um, I watched The Holiday last week and I fucking loved him in that so much. Sure, that's a good Tell one. Mr. Ripley. But there are so many bad Yeah, he's ones. made some bad ones. It's it's funny to me, like, anybody who I just fell in love with in the and 90s, then you watched it was always like, yeah, and then I watched everything. And maybe that's really the key, is that I just watched everything. <laughs> it was good or bad, I watched it all. Right, but there are so many that are just not good. I know. And it's always like it's either on or off. <laughs> it's pretty rare, though. So, Tenet. Everybody's talking about Tenet right now because it has now been released and people are starting to see it. And what was it? IndieWire's headline, like something about not being amusing. Something I don't know. It was pretty funny. And then we were joking about all of the Christopher Nolan movies are great, the great comedies of our generation. Oh, of course. But here's the thing, like uh, Tom, Tom. Fuck! All I want to say is Tom Brady. Tom Hiddleston. No, uh, Inception. Tom Hardy. Tom Hardy, yeah. Tom Hardy's shirts in Inception. Hilarious. His shirts? Yeah, he wears, like, these bizarre, the almost Hawaiian, like, oh, button-down got shirts. Oh, got it. Okay, yeah. It's so, I mean, that's funny. Sure, right. <laughs> what is it? Dave said Dunkirk is a laugh. We're all just yeah, being stupid. Yeah. Um, but, so, Robert Pattinson is in that film. Robert Pattinson's done a lot of really good stuff in, in recent years. Robert Pattinson, also star of all the Twilight movies, yes. which are Drek. I am, so by the saying, way, I am so excited, 
so excited. It's like September 16th, I think. It's is it coming, the Netflix movie? The Netflix. It's not actually, an, I mean, it's being released on Netflix, but I yeah. don't believe it was supposed to be. It was no, supposed no, no, to be they, released wide. Okay. Yeah, Devil All the Time. Yep. Mm-hmm. Ready. Ready for it. Ready we got, for it. We ready got for him. It. Ready for it. We also got, we also got Sebastian Stan. Mm, that's right. I forgot. Yes. But we also have uh, Tom, I need so much more coffee. Spider-Man. Oh, Tom Holland. Tom Holland. He's he's like the lead in it, and I fucking love him I so much. Just, and just the still of sweaty Robert Pattinson in a church with a half unbuttoned shirt sold, 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 sold. That's what does it for you. I mean, I wasn't watching it today, but Garfield turned on the TV and started playing Twilight again, so I got kind of caught up into it. Good job, the cat, Garfield. The cat turned it on. He just he but likes it a lot. You also have Bill Skarsgård who I don't know as much about. I only really know it. Yeah. But it's so fucking good All in it. All the Skarsgårds are incredible. Well, yeah. And then Jason Clark. Oh, you I, know, I don't really like him that much. love Jason Clark. I used God, to think he was so cool, much. but he's kind of like falling off my... No, yeah, I... I uh, no. But, but, but the point I'm making... The point I'm... We're talking about people making bad choices... I don't even know that Pattinson made a bad choice with Twilight because that just catapulted his ass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's fucking... like when we were talking about Leo and yeah. do I think Titanic's a good movie? No, I think it's but ridiculous. But it catapulted his ass. But it was a good choice for him. Right. Yeah. And I and I think someone like Robert Pattinson is always going to get, he's done some really awesome stuff and he's going to get to do it. And I think he's making interesting choices. He's not, I'm not saying Leo isn't making interesting choices, but Leo's making blockbuster choices. Leo's mm-hmm. making, like, I want everybody to see this movie. I want it feels to- like he wants to just work with the most powerful yeah, people. Yeah, and I feel like Brad Pitt, on the other hand, is making more interesting choices and not necessarily the... Now. Yes. But, I mean, that's, in fairness, in his older age, I think he's... But he always has. Like, a fucking fight club. Mm, I don't know. I, I mean, I don't know if Fight Club was so out of the... I feel like it was. He wasn't playing the hero of Fight Club. He was playing an anti-hero. He... Yeah, but it's not like... I just mean it wasn't... It's not like it's an independent film mm, that... Fair, fair. You know. But I guess what I'm saying is I feel like Pattinson... There's a lot of talent there, and I'm excited to see what else he does. And he was in all the Twilight films, and that is part of the reason why I know him. I'm fucking reading Midnight Sun, dude. Like, I don't give any shits. I'm gonna love that shit till I die. It's mm-hmm. like, it's a comfort movie for me now at this point. I mean, we all have comfort movies. You know, I said Garfield turned it on, but I definitely... But you me, did. It, it relaxes me. That's... Uh, Lord of the Rings is my, yeah. like, sick go-to movie. Yeah. Like, if I'm sick and I just need to, you know, lay there and just vegetate, mm-hmm. I need to, to turn that on because yeah. it's a comfort to me. So, yeah. So, I guess I if that. anybody from the 90s wants to know... You know, if you were making bad choices in the '90s, if you're and you were an actor, just <laughs> give me a call. I will let you know. <laughs> Believe me, I will know. <laughs> so, what do you? So, who do you? If you had to pick a favorite in this one, like a, a favorite. favorite, a favorite character, a favorite actor, front like in this movie, a favorite role in this movie, can you pick? Is it is it Rubisi? It's really hard because I, I mean, I think it's plainly obvious that Tom Hanks is this movie. Yeah, he wins. Um, I have a very special place in my heart for, um, well, I mean, yeah. So, yeah, I do think this is probably my favorite Giovanni Ribisi. Like, I'll, I'll say that. Um, but I do think I have a special place in my heart for this particular Tom Sizemore, which is, of course, the same Tom Sizemore mm-hmm. <laughs> as in uh, Black Hawk Down. Um, but this character is, has, or shows at least so much more heart than, than you get in Black Hawk Down. Yeah. So I really, 
Yeah, I really, but I, I think if you are talking about, which we, we weren't talking about, that's not what you asked, but you had asked earlier or mentioned earlier, like, yeah. who, who maybe, yeah, who you identify with the most or would say would be you, um, Adam Goldberg. Yeah. Yeah. Because he's very angry. Yeah. Which I think is part of the reason why actually passionate. Barry Pepper, Barry Pepper's character in this is one of my favorite characters. I think he, he's one of the highlights of the movie mm-hmm. for sure. And I think one of the reasons why is because he is kind of the juxtaposition of mm-hmm. that a little bit more frantic, fired up, kind of like, not necessarily angry at the world, but at times angry at the world mm-hmm. kind of, of character. He's so just, Barry Pepper's character is so just cool mm-hmm. and self-assured. And those things that, you know, I would want to be. Um, but yeah, I would definitely say uh, the Adam Goldberg character is more whom I would be yeah. like. I think I am. Unfortunately, I am of him. Although you, I wouldn't, I don't think that I would crumble the way that he did. But I am very risk averse. Yeah. So if you had me running around dodging bullets to, to get you ammunition, I'd be like, fuck that. Can I just say... I would not ask you to do that. Yeah, right. Because I would definitely no, not. No. 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 I would prefer to be, like, honestly, the sniper role seems like a good one. And I'm actually quite a good shot. Mm. But I'm not that close to Jesus. So. Oh, well. We're not that close. You need to be to, to have. I, and I say that jokingly, but I actually think you do need to have it's the a good deal of, well, Com- sure, and, focus. And, and um, confidence. I think you ha- need to have a lot of faith. Yeah. And whether your faith is in God or your faith is solely in yourself, although I think a lot of times, mm-hmm. snipers, a lot of times it is a faith in God because I think to up close and personal, granted you're the furthest away, but mm-hmm. obviously if you're looking down the scope at somebody, it's up close and personal. To up close and personal kill somebody and move on with your life, be okay with doing that, mm-hmm. you have to believe that you are in the right. Yeah. So. So Damon in this movie, it's interesting. I read in the trivia on IMDb that Spielberg wanted somebody who was a relative unknown to play Private Ryan, and then he couldn't have known, and he didn't know that Goodwill Hunting was just going to blow him up. Yeah. Um, so the I was curious if we wanted to talk about who our favorite Damon is, because I honestly like... I, I, I'm sad he doesn't have his like little Boston accent in this movie, but the build on him in this one, I think I like he's not it's not my favorite Damon role of course but well what is your favorite Damon role that's hard it (laughs) I don't want to say he's very good in the talent of Mr. Ripley I think he's really really good in goodwill hunting yeah um and I just some of it for me is just his build like I think I like this more kind of like stout muscular he's, he's very thin <laughs> in just, the talented Mr. Ripley I ask what your favorite role is and you're like well he looks really good <laughs> um yeah I didn't think too hard about other movies that he's been in because I've seen a lot of I've seen a lot of his stuff but mm-hmm. I don't have like have you seen Courage Under Fire no <sighs> And, and I was thinking that that was the Damon. Because every time we talk about war movies, I'm just thinking it's Courage Under Fire. Oh, like, that's I thought right. he was going to be in Black Hawk Down, and that's he wasn't. Right. And then when he showed up in this movie, I was like, why isn't he scrawny? Oh <laughs> You're just like, anytime Matt Damon's in a war movie, which He's, is all war movies, he, should be a he loses addict. weight, right? Why doesn't he? Yeah, I was super confused. Um, and maybe that's the anachronistic thing for me, too. Not Hank so much, because I feel like that guy's kind of got a classic timeless thing going on. But Damon, to me, should be in... He has a, a modern feel about him. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's how perfect his teeth are. 
Um, it could also be just the fact that you're watching this 20 years later where mm-hmm. Matt Damon is Matt mm-hmm. Damon. So mm-hmm. even though, yeah, he kind of blew up overnight with Goodwill Hunting within that year, yeah. that was still just within a year. So he was still kind of unknown to an extent when this movie came out. Uh, and I know your favorite Damon is The Martian. Yeah. I, I So I love The Departed, as we know. And, and he's I very love good his in character too, yes. in The Departed. Also a little but, too small in that one for me. Oh, I'm so sorry. Um, but The Martian, it is so borderline impossible for a single person to carry a movie. And that movie's a long movie. That's over two hours. Yeah, and he and does And, yeah, there are others in there, of course. You know, we flash to to other people who, you know, the guys who are trying to bring him home down on Earth. And, Earth. Uh, and uh, his comrades who are still out in space and all of this. We flash to other people. But basically it's him and fucking A if he doesn't just do an amazing job and Mm -hmm. the only other movie that i can think that's probably similar to that is castaway speaking of tom hanks i have not seen castaway and the reason is the reason is is because i have no desire to watch i have no desire to watch one person alone for two hours i just don't and yet i got that largely with the martian and fucking love it so i do wonder if maybe maybe we should watch castaway maybe i I would love it it's a movie that a lot of people have seen that neither of us has seen yeah that's true that's fair we can add it in yeah oh and i was just thinking i think going back to ed burns i forgot the part first of all i think he does a great job but the part of the film where i was like whoa was at the end after miller is dead and he reaches in and takes the letter that fucking letter everything his facial expressions his body language just and he's not saying anything yeah he's just in that moment i was like shit ed burns you're crushing it good for you like i was just so impressed because i he really surprised me i I was so surprised um having seen his character throughout and one of my favorite moments aside from the giovanni rubisi death scene is um when they go they find the the machine gun um set up where they realize that the nest yes and so miller's like we got to stop it mm-hmm. and so of course nobody wants to do it and burns to being a dick but they decide that they're going to do it and that of course is what leads to giovanni rubisi's character dying which of course causes a lot of um angst for them and then yeah, steamboat willie talking up a storm <sighs> that was just so intense yeah um and of course it comes back later to bite us in the ass which yeah. i should have seen coming but i didn't and whatever um fuck hitler <laughs> Anyway, so that moment after all of that goes down where they've let Steamboat Willie go. And Ed Burns is like, fuck this, I'm not doing this anymore. Mm-hmm. And he's going to leave. And it, things start to fall apart. And Upham is like, this is crazy. And the whole time. It's, it, and you got the, fucking Tom Sizemore from coming the mo- in. <laughs> from the moment that, you know, they're thinking that they're going to kill Steamboat Willie to the moment that he gets let go. Upham is just in he's doesn't he's like really concerned because mm-hmm. things seem to be falling apart yeah. they've lost their medic it's just all going to shit and uh yeah si- T- sizemore's got the gun on burns and that is a i would say that that is a moment of what the fuck is what going fuck on we got sarge and, over here like you're, threatening to shoot the guy you're watching and and to that moment we don't know a whole lot of like i've been watching hanks's character captain miller and i he's a mystery to his men you know where is he from what does he do and I'm like, how? why is he so good at this? Is he some kind of a sociopath? Well, now I know he's not a sociopath because I've seen him, you know, with a shaky hand. And I saw him, was it before that where he's talking to, it is before that, 
when they're all inside of the church mm-hmm. and he's talking to some of character and he's saying um he how many men he's lost he's lost he need, it's a count he's lost 94 and i was thinking about human resources and how you have to be practical about it and he's just doing his best he and, is but then you hear him say too he's like you can sense the uncertainty mm-hmm. when he goes, so I must have, I must have saved, what did he say, 20, 50 he's times that? He has to, and, but he's right. telling himself, I know I'm rationalizing this. Right, but the the way his voice just wavers the slightest mm-hmm. bit, the look that he gives Tom Sizemore when, when he says that, you can tell that he's not, he is justifying it to himself, but he's also asking him. He's also saying, yeah. tell me I'm tell right, me tell I've me I'm this. right. Tell me I'm yeah. doing this right. So then you have this moment, of course, where everybody's, it, it's falling apart. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he's just, and Upham's like, we gotta do something we gotta do something and tanks is just kind of sitting there and i'm thinking like what the fuck is he gonna do and in any other movie you're seeing like somebody might have fired a gun in the air and been like hey you fuckers like let's get going like knock this shit off and instead he's like what's the pull up to yeah, yeah and he he stops everyone in their tracks and brings them back to reality with this big secret that he's kept um and shares it with them and then has you know this one where he's talking about his and they get to they get a glimpse of the guy the real guy um, not that he, as a captain, isn't a real guy, but he has to be... It's that compartmentalizing be, Yeah, again. he has yeah. to be in charge. Um, and he, he wins Ed Burns back mm-hmm. in that moment, um, Ed Burns' character. And I just... God, that was good. It was so good. So when you see that, and then you see their relationship, and you know, the moment with the dog tags, they're getting caught up in it, and I think that's a, a coping mechanism. We have to laugh oh, about yeah. this, because yeah. we're trying to find this guy and we're looking at fucking dog tags it's sick but they're you know and it was right of the medics Reese's character to tell him to knock it off but then mm-hmm. you get then you get this moment in the end where miller is dead he has said his last words to kept or to private ryan which is like earn it mm-hmm. which of course stays with him for the rest of his life but then you see that's Ed a burns, lot of fucking pressure right oh my god so Ed, much pressure. Ed burns tries to save him tries to save him and can't and it's just what a moment also i think the moment when they finally when they find that they find matt damon's private ryan and they and he they're like oh we've already lost two of our guys and he's Mm -hmm. like what are their names and you can tell he's just so i think that's something too you know matt damon even though he's the title character has this one of the smallest roles Mm -hmm. obviously in here um, so it's really easy to overlook him and overlook what he gave to the movie other than just his name but I think that moment is it, the one that comes right before that, I guess, uh, in my opinion. The part where, when he's actually told about his brothers, the way he reacts, which is polar opposite to the Nathan Fillion mm-hmm. character, right? Um, but but to be fair, to see, he, he knew that his brothers were at war, and he knew what he had already he gone through. He so did. I he just had mean, to know it was a possibility. I do think that that is a shining moment for Matt Damon. Yes. I, I think yes. hearing... And the... The, the dialogue is just kind of perfect, too. You know, your, your brothers have died, and he takes a moment, just a moment, to kind of deal with that just in that brief moment and then says, you know, which ones? All of them. Mm-hmm. And he keeps it together without totally keeping it together, which is so perfect and I think so easy to go... It's so easy... You know, it's easy to go overboard and have, like, an overly emotional... Mm-hmm response as an actor i mean Mm -hmm. as a human it's just whatever happens happens but (laughs) but as an actor i think it's it's Mm -hmm. very easy to take it that next step and go uh, into hysterics almost Mm -hmm. and i think it's also really easy to take it to pull too far in and 
almost not give enough yeah not give enough and and almost make the character seem cold with the stoicism Mm -hmm. and i think he rode that line really well even up to the point where he goes back over to his men after they finish talking and he just sits there and drops his head yeah like that after he says these are the only brothers i have left exactly that just kind of very simple quiet Mm -hmm. moment it makes you fall in love with him as a person right right and you've only just met him and the whole movie they're like who the fuck is this guy and he better be worth it and you have no idea and i think then you have that oh man there's the connections between the characters that they make happen with such little like like, the little look that ed burns gives him but then they finally have this he gives him this grudging respect and um and i don't ed burns wants to fight he I think Ed Burns' character was probably happy they were going to stay and defend that bridge because that's what he wanted to do. He didn't want to do this bullshit where they were going to go save some random guy. I mean, I don't know if it's what he wanted to do, but I think he's probably at a point where it's like, okay, we're here. Let's yeah, just let's fucking, fucking do this. Let's figure it out. And then you get the great... Then it turns into the, we've built a team, and now we're going to figure out a way to defeat the Germans. <laughs> and we're going to make sticky, sticky bombs. bombs and give, away, give up our socks and... Um, oh, the first sticky bomb blowing up the guy. What? Yeah, the that was rough. <laughs> you should not Did hold not on to those things. Did we not talk about how long these fuses were going to last? Like, um, but yeah. No, that's why you got uh, that guy going and testing it out first. Um, that the comedic Paul Giamatti's character popping a squat and then falling over and then collapsing an entire wall to reveal some Germans was perfect. Yeah. yeah. Poor Paul. Like, like they had to know they were going into that with him, and he's such a. <laughs> So great at that moment, and I, the second he goes to sit down, I'm like, "What is he going to sit on a mine or something? What's going to happen?" <laughs> right, I did not he's... think a wall was going to collapse to reveal some Germans. <laughs> that was pretty funny, um, or some some German soldiers. I know they weren't all German, but um, yeah, no, it was it was great. It was a, a it was fun, but it was also it was a very good movie. Good job, Mr. Spielberg. Mm-hmm. No surprises. Yeah. I, I mean, like I said, Schindler's List is one of my all-time favorites. This is one of my all-time favorites, mm-hmm. too. I think for me, you know, everybody... You talk about Steven Spielberg, and I think everybody immediately goes to E.T. first, mm-hmm. which, for people of our generation mm-hmm. in particular, makes sense, because, of course, our generation, that was a beloved mm-hmm. movie of our childhood. I get that. Um, I go straight to Saving Private Ryan and and Schindler's List. That is Spielberg for me. Has he done other stuff? Park. Yeah, he's done other great stuff at Indiana Jones. Um, he's also done some stuff that I don't love nearly as much, like AI. <laughs> but <laughs> there have been, there've been good things and bad things and mediocre things, just like in anyone's career. But I think to have those two, those top two, my top two movies in your repertoire at all are just yeah. unbelievable, Deep just volumes. stunning. And then to also have, yeah, like... Jurassic Park or Indiana mm-hmm. Jones and E.T. and mm-hmm. American Graffiti. Wait, mm-hmm. American Graffiti wasn't him, sorry. No. <laughs> that he was did George Jaws, Lucas. He's Jaws, right? Um, yeah. Yeah, so I, you know, having all of those are are amazing. Um, Heck yeah. of a director. Heck of a director. What a guy. What a guy. So, yeah, I'm glad, I'm glad that you liked it um, in as much as you can like something like this, but it is a hard one to watch. It is. But again, it's a it, good story amazing acting wonderful writing yeah beautiful direction i imagine a lot of people were really really happy with it 
having to see it in the like for you to see it in the theater when it came out it was a summer blockbuster it was released on july 24th of 1998 so it would have been a blockbuster for that summer um yeah yeah Yeah. good pick is there any any other last things you want to discuss about this one i don't think so i think we covered all of my i only had a few questions in there but uh Mm -hmm. let me see what were they they were, sorry, my, my phone didn't recognize my thumb. It's very odd. Um, question number one, how can you say you love Barry Pepper without having seen this or The Green Mile? Which we because kind of touched on a With a name like Barry Pepper, how can you not? The best name in Hollywood. Yes. <laughs> Even though he hardly does anything really anymore. But um, who really deserved the best picture because that's something that's stuck in my craw I for think, decades. I think you're right. I think you're right. Shakespeare in Love was a flash in the pan. Yeah. Um, the most memorable or torturous 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 death scenes we kind of talked about that mm-hmm. best war movie but i mean i know you aren't a huge before. fan of war movies so you i probably haven't, haven't seen, seen all many. of them i probably need to see dunkirk before i make that call but i mean it's interesting to me because dunkirk again very good but also in my mind oddly forgettable yeah. there are things in saving private ryan that have stuck with me for decades and there's nothing like that in Dunkirk. There was nothing like that in The Thin Red Line. There was nothing like that in... Have you seen Platoon? Platoon Platoon was, uh, for the longest time, was probably my favorite. Have you seen Apocalypse Now? Yeah, and I preferred Platoon to Apocalypse Now. Um, but again, even both of those, I think, are somewhat... I don't want to say forgettable, but mm-hmm. they don't... I don't think that they connected as much, for me at least, mm-hmm. Um as this one I and you know you know I love for myriad reasons Black Hawk Down mm-hmm. um, Courage Under Fire I liked Courage Under Fire I enjoyed it but no I wouldn't put it at the top of my list does Top Gun count um, not in my mind <laughs> I watched that the other day it's streaming on like Hulu and Amazon Prime I turned it on the other it's I mean in 1917 we talked about being great and it is great um, but it's very different and I I personally prefer this gritty realism mm-hmm. to kind of that mm-hmm. dreamlike. Um, I really like 1917, and if I had to pick, I'd probably pick that over this, but I haven't seen all the other war movies to be seen, so I yeah, can't yeah. say. I've never seen Platoon, never seen Courage Under Fire, never seen Dunkirk. Oh, you haven't seen Dunkirk. Oh, okay. No. Um, I mean, I've seen, does Predator count? I love Predator. <laughs> that was one of my favorites when I was a kid. <laughs> I mean... You still have to see The Deer Hunter, too, which isn't a 100% war oh, movie, God. but it's close enough. And, oh, fucking talking about agony, Milkman. Oh, good Lord. You sick fuck. I know. But, yeah, I would say this is this is my favorite war movie. Um, yeah. Others that are also very good, but, yeah, this is a... All right. Anything else? No, I'm good. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye now. The Movie Virgins. Hey, people. This is Leah. Um, Just for the record, Drew Barrymore's character in Ever After was Danielle. She was pretending to be Nicole, um, but her real name was Danielle. So I I flubbed that one a little bit. And the hot guy who played Prince Prince Henry was Doug Ray Scott. So isn't that fun? (laughs) Uh, A fun fact for you. Um, So anyway... Uh, also this week, we will be releasing another episode on Wednesday, um, something we, we did in conjunction with the wonderful ladies over at Textual Tension. 
um, on the movie 365 Days, which you would like to, if you would like to watch, is streaming on Netflix. It is a terrible shit movie, um, and I do not recommend it, but if you if you want to watch it, go right ahead. I feel like you don't need to watch it to listen to the episode and have a good time. So, um, so yeah, we're, we've got that coming up. We've also got Reanimator. We just recorded an episode on Reanimator, which was a lot of fun, a good discussion. Um, so yeah, so thanks for listening as always, wherever you are listening, please subscribe. And if you would like, um, check us out on Apple podcasts. Um, if you could rate us and review us there, we'd really appreciate it. Um, so yeah, thanks. And we'll see you next time. One last thing. The music in this episode was written and performed by Melissa Powers. Virgin's Park.